Welcome to God's Story, the narrative adaptation of the Bible. This week's chapter covers 1 Samuel 21 through 31. Chapter 12, David in Exile. David then fled Gibeah to the town of Nob, where he met the high priest Ahimelech, the great-grandson of Eli. He told the priest he was on a secret mission from the king and that the rest of his men were waiting nearby. He convinced Ahimelech to let him have some food and a sword. While staying there, David saw Doeg, one of Saul's servants, and knew he would reveal his location. Not wanting to bring trouble on Ahimelech, David fled to the cave of Adullam. When his father, mother, and brothers learned where he was, they joined him. Soon, hundreds who had become dissatisfied with Saul's rule joined David, making him their commander. When Saul learned of this perceived insurrection, he angrily asked those with him, Did David promise to make you rich and powerful? Is that why you're all conspiring against me? None of you tell me anything. You didn't even tell me when my own son made an oath of friendship to David. But Doeg, hoping to ingratiate himself to Saul, said, I saw David in Nob hold up with Ahimelech, who gave him food and a sword. Saul immediately had Ahimelech and all the other priests of Nob brought before him. He asked, Why have you conspired against me by supplying my enemy David? Now he's gathering men and trying to find a way to kill me. But Ahimelech replied, Of everyone under your command, who is more loyal than David? your son-in-law, the captain of your bodyguards, a man respected by everyone. Don't accuse me of wrongdoing. I had no idea he was a fugitive. You're a dead man, Ahimelech. You and all your priests. Men, kill them all. They've sided with my enemy. They knew he was on the run from me, and yet they still helped him. But his men refused to kill the priests. So Saul said to Doeg, You were the one who told me of their betrayal. You kill them. Doeg, however, obeyed, killing Ahimelech, which continued the curse of Eli on his great-grandson. Eighty-five other priests of Nob were killed that day, and the town destroyed. But one of Ahimelech's sons, Abiathar, survived the slaughter and found his way to join David, telling him everything that had happened. David cried out, The day that I saw Doug, I knew he would tell Saul. It's my fault that they're dead, please. Abiathar, stay here with me for your own safety. Then David went away from them, and in anguish over what Doeg had done, he wrote a new psalm. Your tongue devises evil like a sharp razor. You love evil more than good, and lying more than righteousness. You love all destructive words and a lying tongue. Why do you boast of your evil, O mighty man? You are a man that did not make Yahweh your strength. You trusted in the abundance of your riches. You strengthened yourself with wickedness. And Yahweh will soon remove you from the land of the living. I know the goodness of God lasts forever. I am like a green olive tree in the house of Yahweh. I trust on and wait on the mercy of Yahweh forever, for it is good for those that believe. 
the Philistines, used the unrest in Israel to their advantage and attacked the city of Keilah, near where David was hiding with his men. David prayed to Yahweh to find out whether or not they should try and rescue the city. Even though David's men were scared and outnumbered, Yahweh said, Save Keilah! I will give you victory over the Philistines. So his small band attacked, inflicting heavy losses on the enemy. But now Saul knew where David was, and he said to himself, Yahweh is handing him over to me. He will be trapped in that town when my men arrive. I'll destroy the entire town with him in it if I have to. Word of this came to David, so he prayed, saying, I have heard a report that Saul is making his way here. Because of me, he will destroy the town. Is it true? It is, Yahweh replied. And will the people here turn me over in order to save themselves? They will, Yahweh replied. So David quickly fled the town to the nearby caves before Saul could arrive. Feeling the wrath of Saul closing in on him, he wrote another psalm. Yahweh, in you I put my trust. Listen to me. Rescue me quickly. You are my fortress. Lead me, guide me, pull me out of the net that they have laid for me. I trust you with my spirit. You have redeemed me, Yahweh. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. You have considered my troubles. You know my heart in the midst of my trials. You have not handed me over to the enemy. So please have mercy on me. I am in trouble. My eyes see only grief and I feel it consuming me. My strength fails because of my troubles. I'm a mockery to my enemies. My neighbors are afraid to admit that they know me. I'm like a dead man, forgotten by the world. I'm, I'm, I'm like a broken clay pot. I've heard the lies of many who have plotted against me. They desire to take my life, but I trust in you, Yahweh. I said, you are my God. My life is in your hands. Save me from the hands of my enemies. Let the light of your face shine on me, your servant. Do not let me ever be ashamed of you, Yahweh. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let their lying lips be silenced. Let them go down to the grave. They speak evil against righteous. You reserve your goodness for those that honor you. You will hide them in your secret place, away from the prideful people who have tongues of strife. Blessed is Yahweh who rescued me from a besieged city. I was wrong when I thought I am cut off from Yahweh's eyes. Even so, you heard my voice when I cried out. To all those who believe, love Yahweh, for Yahweh protects the faithful and pays back the arrogant. Be courageous, and Yahweh will strengthen the hearts of all who hope. When Saul learned that David had fled the town, he searched the surrounding area without stopping, but he could not find him. Jonathan, however, was able to learn of David's location, so he secretly came to encourage him, saying, Don't be afraid, my friend. My father will never touch you. You will be king, and I would happily be your second in command. Even my father knows this in his heart. Then Jonathan returned secretly to his father's camp. The next day, as Saul was looking for David, he went into one of the nearby caves to use it as a bathroom. But through the foreknowledge of Yahweh, this was the very cave that David and his men were hiding in. But they were much further back, and Saul was unaware of them. David's men said to him, This is it! 
Yahweh has delivered your enemy right into your hands. David approached Saul silently, but when the moment came, he only cut off a corner of Saul's robe. David returned to his men, ashamed of what he had almost done, saying, Yahweh forbid that I should even think about harming my king, who was anointed by God. We should all be ashamed of ourselves. No one is to harm him. Then Saul left the cave, unaware of how close he had been to death. But David followed after him, coming out of the cave, bowing down and saying, Saul, my master, why do you believe the lies that say I'm trying to harm you? Now see for yourself, Yahweh brought you into the very cave where I was hiding. When my men saw this, they thought it was an opportunity to kill you, but I would not allow it. Look, I have a piece of your robe in my hand, so you know that I speak the truth. Since I have entered your service, I have never wronged you, yet you hunt me down. Yahweh knows what the truth is, and I will have justice, but it will not come by my own hand. Saul replied, David, my son, you are a better man than me. You treat me with honor, even after everything I've done to you. May Yahweh reward you for your mercy and your kindness. I know now that you will be king someday, but please... Promise me that you will not harm my family. David promised and Saul returned home. His desire for revenge abated. Sometime after this, Samuel finally died in his old age, and all of Israel mourned his passing. Though David had made a tentative peace with Saul, he did not feel that he would be welcomed back in Gibeah, so he again left Israel with all of his men and their families, going south to the desert of Paran. In that region, there was a wealthy shepherd named Nabal, who was a descendant of Caleb. He was well known in that region for his surly demeanor, but also for his intelligent and beautiful wife, Abigail. David and his 400 soldiers camped near Nabal's flocks and took it upon themselves to keep watch over his shepherds each day. David, hoping to ingratiate himself and his men to Nabal, sent him this message. Dear Nabal, long life and good health to you, your household and everything that is yours. Let me introduce myself. I am David, the son of Jesse from the tribe of Judah in Israel. For a while now, my soldiers and I have been camping nearby. We've treated you well, protecting your servants and asked for nothing in return. Not one sheep of yours has gone missing since we have been among you. You can ask your servants. So we now ask you to favor us with whatever you can find to help us. Your humble servant, David. When David's men delivered this message to Nabal, he replied, Who is this David, and who is his father Jesse? I've heard stories of many slaves escaping their masters. Perhaps that's what he is. Why should I take any of the food that I have from my own workers and give it to this person who comes from who knows where? Now, since the time when Abraham showed hospitality to the visitor who came to his camp and turned out to be God, Israelites have understood the importance of showing kindness and generosity to strangers. This insult from Nabal was so great in that culture that when David heard the response, he was infuriated to the point of ordering 200 of his men to ready themselves for battle. But 
As David advanced, a servant of Nabal told Abigail everything that had happened. They said, you have to do something. Disaster is hanging over all of us. Nabal's so stubborn. No one can talk to him. Abigail, however, acted quickly to save everyone from David's impending wrath. She secretly took food and drink, enough for all of David's men, and sent them with her servants towards David, promising to follow after. When she found David, she bowed low and said, Pardon me, my lord, let me speak. Pay no mind to Nabal's wickedness. His name literally means fool. It shows in everything that he does. It would have gone much better if I had been the one to receive your message. You haven't shed any blood. Please, accept this gift on our behalf. David replied, Praise Yahweh for sending you to me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed. You have saved a lot of people's lives today. Go home in peace. I gratefully accept what you have offered us. When Abigail returned home, she found Nabal had thrown himself a lavish party as though he were a king. In his drunken stupor, she could not speak with him, so she waited until the next morning. Once he had sobered up, and she told him how she had fed David and his 400 soldiers, he was so shocked that he died of a heart attack. David couldn't get the wise and beautiful Abigail out of his head, and when he learned that Nabal had died, he became determined to ask her if she would marry him in his place, though he was already married to Michal. Abigail agreed, and they were soon married. In time, when Saul learned that David had shamed his daughter Michal in this way, his rage returned. He declared David's marriage to Michal over, and had her given to another man. Then Saul, along with his general Abner, and thousands of his troops began to search for David once more, heading towards the desert. But when David learned of their arrival, he avoided capture. One night... David and his nephew, Abishai, a skilled warrior and commander in his own right, snuck into Saul's camp. Yahweh had caused everyone in the camp to fall into a deep sleep, so David was able to go all the way to where Saul lay. Abishai said, Yahweh is giving Saul to you. Let me take my spear. I'll kill him right here. One thrust. That's all I need. But David replied, Don't touch him. Who can lay a hand on Yahweh's anointed king and live? Either Yahweh himself will strike Saul down, or he will die in battle with our enemies, or his time will come naturally. It will not be by our hand. No, we are going to take his spear and his water jug, and then we are leaving. When David left the camp, he climbed a nearby hill and called out, Abner, wake up! You're considered a great man in Israel. Why didn't you guard your king last night? Someone snuck into your camp and made his way to the king. Look around. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were by his head? Saul recognized David's voice and asked, Is that you, David? David replied, Yes, it is your servant, David. Why are you pursuing me again? What have I done wrong? Do not let me die here so far from home. Why is the king of Israel in the wilderness, looking for a flea. Moved by his words, Saul approached David and said, I have wronged you again, David. You could have killed me yet again, but you didn't. I have been a fool. Come back to me, David. I will not try to hurt you anymore. May you be blessed and triumph in everything you set your hands to.
David returned the king's spear and water jug, but he would not go with Saul in spite of his proclamation of peace. David instead said to himself, If the king's fickle temper again turns towards my death, perhaps the best thing for me and my men would be to escape to the land of the Philistines. If Saul knows I'm there, he won't risk war by looking for me. So David settled with his 600 men and their families in the Philistine town of Gath, and Saul did not pursue him. To endear himself to Achish, the king of Gath, David's men repeatedly marched towards Israel, prepared for battle. But when he returned, what he didn't tell Achish was that he was actually fighting the enemies of Israel. So the king thought to himself, after all of his raids, he's become so hated in his own country, he will be my servant for life. With David as their perceived ally, the Philistines prepared once more to attack Israel. When Saul gathered his army in opposition to the army of the Philistines, he was afraid at the sight of them. Yahweh would no longer answer the prayers of him or his advisors, and for the first time since he became king, he felt like he didn't know what to do. Desperate, he had his men search for a medium, one who could speak with the dead, all of whom were in hiding because Saul in his earlier days captured and executed them because their dark art was forbidden by God. When he learned that a medium lived in the nearby town of Endor, he traveled there in disguise to ask the woman to contact a spirit for him. She replied, You know that Saul has forbidden contacting the spirits of the dead. Why are you bringing trouble upon me? I promise you will not be punished for doing this, Saul replied. Whom shall I contact for you? Samuel. But when Samuel appeared, Saul's disguise was laid bare, and the witch screamed, You lied to me! You are Saul! Don't be afraid, just tell me what you see. I see a ghostly figure coming out of the ground. What does he look like? An old man wearing a robe. Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed down before him. The spirit of Samuel said, Why have you disturbed me in this way? I'm afraid. The Philistines are preparing to attack. Yahweh is no longer with me and won't answer my prayers. Why do you ask for my help if Yahweh has left you? It is exactly as I told you. You have lost your kingdom to David because you disobeyed Yahweh when you spared the Amalekite king and their animals. Tomorrow your army will be defeated. The Philistines will conquer Israel. You and your sons will die. Then Samuel faded away, and Saul returned to his camp, his heart set to neither accept the fate that Samuel had told him, nor to humble himself before Yahweh in search of forgiveness. As he returned, the Philistines began their march towards the Israelite army. David and his men were in the back with Achish, but the other Philistine commanders began to say, Why are you bringing these Hebrews? This is David, the famous commander of Saul. He's faithfully served me for a year. I have nothing bad to say about him. Send him back to Gath. He can't fight with us. He would turn against us in the middle of the battle. How better to please Saul than to kill his enemies in the middle of the battle? So Achish said to David, you have always been reliable, and I wanted you to fight beside me today. I have nothing bad to say about you, but the other commanders, they don't trust you. So 
go back home. Don't do anything to anger them. David then began the long march back to Gath as the Philistines continued towards battle. When the battle began, the Israelites quickly found that they were no match for their enemy and sounded the retreat. Many Israelites died, and soon the Philistines were in pursuit of Saul and his sons. They killed his sons first, including Jonathan. Saul's guards fought fiercely to protect him, but they were soon overrun, and Saul was shot with arrows. With his death approaching, he said to his armor-bearer, Take your sword, finish me off so I won't be tortured by these godless Philistines. But the armor-bearer was too afraid, so Saul took his own sword and stabbed himself. When the armor-bearer saw this, he killed himself. So ended the reign of Israel's first king, and also the threat on David's life. But as David and his men marched towards Gath, they were unaware of the outcome of the battle between Saul and the Philistines. They were also unaware that the remnant of the Amalekites, who were now living as bandits, had learned that the Philistine army had left the country, and so they saw an opportunity to raid Philistine towns, including Gath. When they returned, they found that their homes had been burned down and their wives and children kidnapped. David's men cried out, and in their agony, they began to talk of killing David for ever leading them to this place. But David called out to Yahweh and asked, Shall we chase after this raiding party? Will we catch and defeat them? Yahweh replied, Yes, you will catch them, and your rescue will be a success. When David went to convince his men to pursue the raiding party, he found that only 400 of the 600 of his men had the strength to continue on. But David remained resolved, and with his reduced force, he gave chase. After some time, they picked up a trail, finding a sick Egyptian slave in a field. They gave him food and water, and he soon recovered. David asked, Who is your master? Where did you come from? I'm an Egyptian slave of the Amalekites. They left me here to die when I got sick three days ago. We have been raiding the nearby Philistine towns. Can you lead me to these raiders? Promise me that you will not kill me or give me back to my slavers, and then, yes, I, I will help you. So the slave led David to the countryside where the raiders had camped. David's men charged into the camp and fought them for many hours. Only a few Amalekites escaped, and David recovered everything that had been taken from them, as well as other plunder. Shortly after this, the 200 men who had been too exhausted to join the fight arrived. Some of David's men did not want to share any of the plunder with these men because they had not participated in the battle. But David said, Brothers, we must not behave this way with what Yahweh has given us. It was Yahweh who protected us and allowed us to defeat our enemies. All of us will get an equal share, regardless. And this became the rule that David's men followed from then on. David and his men returned to the ruins of their town in the hopes of rebuilding. Three days had passed when a man with torn clothes covered in dust found his way to Gath. He fell down in front of David, who asked him, Where are you from? I've come from the Israelite camp. What happened? Tell me. The Israelites retreated. Many were killed. Saul and his sons are dead. How do you know that they're dead? I was nearby when the battle took place, and I saw Saul. He was badly wounded. The Philistines were rushing towards him, so he called out to me, and he said, Who are you? And I told him that I was an Amalekite. He said that he was dying, but that he wanted me to finish him off, so I killed him. 
Then I took his crown and his armband, and I brought them here to you as a prize. But there would be no reward. Instead, David and his men tore their clothes, crying out in mourning, and refusing to eat because of their anguish over their king, his sons, their army, and the fate of the nation. David said to the man, You callously sought to profit from the death of Yahweh's anointed king. By your own words, you are condemned to death. Overcome with sadness at the loss of his king and his dear friend, David wrote this psalm of lament in their memory. Saul and Jonathan, how the mighty have fallen. In life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. From the mighty bow of Jonathan there was no hiding, and the sword of Saul was never satisfied. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in the finest scarlet and gold. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were so very dear to me. Your love for me was great, greater than the love of a woman. The weapons of war have perished. How the mighty have fallen. With their armies scattered and the Philistines continuing to advance, the Israelites fled their cities, allowing the enemy to occupy them. The Philistines took Saul and his son's bodies as trophies to show their victory to their people and their gods. But a group of brave men fought their way to where the bodies were on display and at great risk recovered them and gave them a burial worthy of their status as royalty. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt. Uh, if you'd like to send me any feedback, you can email me at uh, mattsgodstory at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S-G-O-D-S-S-T-O-R-Y at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like a transcript of this chapter or any of the previous chapters, they are available at mattsgodstory.blogspot.com. Uh, um, thanks so much for listening. I hope to uh, have you back next week. Stay safe. God bless.